This episode of The Gourmet Goober is brought to you by SoFoodie. That's foodie with a PH. SoFoodie is the go-to platform that highlights the stories and showcases the talent of brothers and sisters who are innovating and creating in the world of food and beverage. Follow them on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at SoFoodie, that's foodie with a PH, or sign up for their email at SoFoodieWithAPH.com. This is JJ Outlaw and T Outlaw, and you are listening to a new episode of the Gourmet Goober podcast. You can find me JJ Outlaw at JJ Outlaw on Twitter. <laughs> I'm available on Instagram at Gourmet Goober. We have a Facebook page where you can also find our latest episodes at um, Gourmet Goober blog. And why is it called that? Because the Gourmet Goober used to be a blog, and now we're a podcast. You can check out the blog, by the way, um, including old episodes, recipes, videos, press work, you know, basically all of our good stuff since 2013 at com. And as always, I'm here um, every episode with my co-host, my BFF, that dude. Um, oh, God. Do I have to do this every time? No, it, I can introduce myself. The Dark Desperado? Okay, the Dark Desperado. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. T Outlaw, aka Big Daddy. How's it going? I'm doing quite well. <laughs> Once again, that's me over here in the corner. I being T Outlaw on Twitter and on the Instagram at T Outlaw Josie Wells. I'm doing okay. And how are you, Gourmet Goober? I am fine. Although I'm laughing because seriously, the Dark Desperado, I don't think it's catchy. It's like that scene in Mean Girls that everyone talks about where she's like, stop trying to make Fetch happen. I don't think Dark Desperado is catching on. If you believe in yourself <laughs> and that name, you can make it happen. And during the <laughs> pandemic, damn it, it's a thing. <laughs> so, yes, the Dark Desperado will be a thing. I will make Fetch go right. <laughs> Gentle listeners who are out there, just know that this is what happens when how long have you been in quarantine, basically, working from home and doing other things? We're in the ninth month. Yeah, it's pretty much... <laughs> it was one of those things for last week. It's just like, oh, it's you again. Good morning. <laughs> She's like, he's still here. <laughs> Why? Why does he not go home? Oh, wait, we are home. Yes. <laughs> so, hopefully everyone listening is doing well um, since the last... Um, couple weeks. It's been quite a few changes in our world. Um, the occupant in the White House still 
doesn't want to go. So maybe we could ask why are you still here? Why don't you go home? Apparently he will maybe in 40 days or so, but we'll see on that. that. Um, there's been a new vaccine that um, is getting approval. I guess several new vaccines, right? Yeah, Since the last to, time we've recorded? Yeah, they're trying to fast track a couple. Was it Pfizer, Moderma? Yeah. I think there's one overseas that they're getting pretty close on. Yeah, so hopefully... <laughs> As we enter month 10 of this craziness, um, that is good news. Thanksgiving was a thing as well, and we survived Thanksgiving at home. <laughs> We're still alive. <laughs> yes, we are still alive. Yes. So, Big Daddy, I, I know that this is the segment that we usually cover how our last couple of weeks went before we started the podcast. So, did you want to start with Thanksgiving and the follies around that? <laughs> okay, for the most part. <laughs> oh, first of all, how are you, by the way? Maybe we start there first. Well, thank you. Thank you for acknowledging I am here <laughs> and that I am still in one piece. Yes, I am doing okay. I am still recovering, still trying to get uh, myself into better physical and spiritual condition. It's still the process, but I am still here. Now, should we... Actually, you know what? Let's ask about you. How are you doing? Well, <laughs> I'm okay. Um, these last couple of weeks have been a little hectic. I've worked on a project at work. And you ever work on a project where there's just a lot of hands in the pot? And there's just a lot of, you know, words being exchanged and email. And sometimes, you know, you think you understand the project and it turns out you don't. And so that's how this week went, but it ended okay. It was just a little stressful in the middle. A lot of cooks in the pot? A lot of cooks in the pot. Do you have to shoot a hostage? <laughs> no. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm getting my Speed Keanu yes. references mixed up here. We are getting Speed Keanu. Although, it's interesting that you mentioned Speed Keanu because I know I have referenced that I only feel something for Speed Keanu. But I realized this weekend that is not true. And I hadn't had a chance to tell you. Oh, no. Yes. Modern day Keanu. I'm, I'm coming around to him, actually. Because there is um, a new video game that we're not playing. Because, one, it's, like, hella expensive. Like, I saw, like, this one kit for it. It was, like, $849. I was like, you do realize this, like, three or four car notes. That's insane. But <laughs> for a game. But the game is called Cyberpunk 2077. Okay. And I bring this up because I know you're looking at me confused. Like, why are we talking about this? I'm waiting. But <laughs> one of the characters that's in the movie is portrayed by Keanu Reeves. Like, current Keanu Reeves, right? Like, they have this likeness in the video game. And for those of us who've been a fan of um, Keanu Reeves' career for a while, it looks like the Cyberpunk is taken from the William Gibson um, version of cyberpunk. And there's a movie that he made based on a William Gibson story called Johnny Mnemonic that I really love. Okay. And so it looks like this video game in certain ways is like a modern day version of Johnny Mnemonic where it's in a, in a future and it's dystopian. And if you've ever seen Johnny Mnemonic, it's about someone who acts as a courier who in this version, which 
hilariously enough, I realized, because I went back and looked at the trailer for it, this movie's hella old, by the way. It came out in the 90s, I think. Yes. But it's set in 2021, which I think is hysterical. And in this version of 2021, information is transported by people called couriers, and they have like a chip in the person's brain. So Keanu's character has a chip in his brain, right? And he's transferring important data. Kind of like the chip that's in my dog's ass right now. <laughs> Not quite, but yes. Okay. <laughs> so, anyway, the storyline for this video is the same. And I saw, like, Keanu in this trailer. And I was like, you know what? Actually, modern day Keanu, even with the weird mutton chop beard thing going on, kind of cute. Not as much as Speed Keanu, but if I was forced to choose, because going back in time is not a thing, I now put Speed Keanu and modern day cyberpunk Keanu on the same basis. I have advanced in my thinking. I, I don't know what that does for you, but <laughs> be my husband. I asked you how your day was, and somehow we ended up with Speed Keanu versus Johnny Mnemonic Keanu. You brought up Speed Keanu, and I'm not talking Johnny Mnemonic Keanu. Johnny Mnemonic Keanu was kind of, he kind of looked like Neo, but slightly thinner and weird looking. No, no, no. It's either Cyberpunk 2077 Keanu or Speed Keanu. Okay. And that's it. Those are the two versions of Keanu. <laughs> I'll be sure to keep track of that. <laughs> so going back to my week. <laughs> and again, let me say, you introduced Speed Keanu to the conversation. I just referenced a mixed up, you know, sideways I took with <laughs> some cooks and, you know, shooting a hostage. <laughs> yes. And you're referring to shooting a hostage from Speed Keanu. Not to be confused with a reference where I used to say when I was an RA, shoot the shoot the resident. But we didn't mean you. Of course not. I'm afraid right now <laughs> where this started and where this is going. Okay, let's rewind. Quarantine after nine months has <laughs> really made some crazy things occur. Let's rewind. My week was great. Thanksgiving, however, was kind of a bit of a mess. But it was nice because... We got a chance to see our family on, 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 on Zoom video. and Duo. Yeah, on Zoom and Duo. Um, we figured out a little too late how to do a group duo, so that's going to be our next project with my family. But you got to see your sister and your god sister and your aunt and uncle and everybody, so that was really awesome. Yes. Um. It was nice to get up and not have to cook for Thanksgiving. Um, no, I did not go and pick up my Thanksgiving meal in my pajamas. Big Daddy kind of nixed that. Although I really wanted to see if I could pull that off. I did. <laughs> yeah. But maybe it worked out for the best because I wound up going back there twice. <laughs> went back twice. Well, actually, I went, went twice yes. to go pick up the food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because... As I think we shared with our listeners last time, my first choice, well, okay, actually, my first first choice was Nick's because I realized that I was too much of a food snob 
And maybe I should wheel it back and not order the dinner from Gold Philly. So then I thought, okay, I'm going to go to Whole Foods because they had like a nice little packet, but they ran out of small turkeys and I couldn't do it. So I thought, okay, well, where else can we go and get dinner? And actually, I got the idea from going to Cracker Barrel from my parents. Yes. And so I thought, oh, okay, well, I used to like Cracker Barrel. That'll be fine. So they had, we had ordered something that had like turkey and dressing and um, what else? Like green beans, something that they said was sweet potato casserole. I'm not really sure if it ended up what they had hoped for. Um, and then I was supposed to get mac and cheese. So I go and it, our order was picked up, what, around 1130? Yes, you went at 1130 a.m. Central Time. So I went to go pick up the dinner. And the idea was it was just going to be hot and we could just eat it all day long. And, you know, just be like little pigs and call my parents up to whatever is ready. Wink, wink. <laughs> So I go there, and first of all, I'm really lucky when I went there because I was in between the rush. And I drove up, and there's these two people who are talking who kind of ignored me. So I was like, oh, there's a little sign that says, go here for the food. So I just drove right past them, and apparently I wasn't supposed to do that. Oh, they get on their feelings? Oh, they were. First of all, I pull up to the guy, and there were like three people who rushed my car. And they're like, can we help you? And like, obviously, I'm here to pick up Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, well, you drove past the checkpoint and everyone was panicked and they were calling on their little like CV radios to like track me as I was driving through. And I'm like, it's Thanksgiving. I don't know what you think I plan to do. Like, just want your food in the bounce. I mean, I didn't think it was all that serious, but. You know, to their credit, I explained who I was and gave them my last name. There's always something hilarious when I talk to people on the phone and I make orders and then I give my last name because undoubtedly, sometimes I'm not the way that people expect me to look. Let's do that. Let's just say that. So did you use your special <laughs> special voice? I may have used my special voice when I called. You you used the Queen's English. I chose not to code switch when I was on the phone with them. Okay. <laughs> so after a minute and the guy, and I realized that this person may have been one of those people because he had to look like, huh, Jack's blink. Okay. So he goes back in the back. Um, He comes back. He hands me my my meal. I thank him. I get back to the house. I'm excited because it's still fairly hot. And it comes in this, like, to their credit, they did an excellent job of back, back packaging everything. Yeah, right? It was a pretty decent box. It was a ginormous box. And when you open it, it was like a huge tin and um, just different stuff in it. So we're unpacking everything. And I realized that when I ordered, you had your choice of what okay, we're just going to call it for the sake of argument sweet potato casserole. This is in no way it was a sweet potato casserole. We we weren't really sure what it was. I think it was mashed sweet potatoes with some walnuts in it. <clears throat> yeah. It was a concoction. We'll start with that. It was no way a casserole, but we'll just go with that. 
So you had your choice of either sweet potato casserole or the mashed potatoes. Now, in hindsight, I really should have selected mashed potatoes, but I'm not really up on mashed potatoes all that much. I'm thinking sweet potatoes are better. And silly me, I'm thinking it's hard to mess up sweet potato casserole. <sighs> I was wrong. And it I ex- was orange flavor, uh, tasting, didn't it? Yeah. Like at one point we bit into it and we looked in it and we're like, is this orange? Like it was, it was bizarre. But what it didn't contain was mac and cheese. And by this time, I had gotten back into my pajamas and I was like, okay, now this messed up my whole day, right? I have to. <laughs> and I was thinking, should I ignore it? And Big Daddy's oh, no. like, no, 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 no. I'm going to be hearing about it all weekend long. You go and you get your mac and cheese. Yeah, you, they, 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 on the list, they have mac. I'm sorry, on your receipt, there's mac, mac and, and cheese. cheese. You want it, mac, mac and, and cheese. cheese. There was going to be no his ands or buts about it. One, but two, somehow in that mix, as opposed to mac and cheese, you did get sweet potatoes. Not sweet potatoes, sorry, mashed potatoes. Yes. I know, because that's what I ate. So they, instead of mac and cheese, because you're supposed to either choose sweet potato or mashed potatoes, they gave us both, and then the, they omitted the mac and cheese. So I thought, okay. So it took me a while to get a hold of someone on the phone, because at one point, I called and I finally got a hold of someone. And in the process of transferring me, they hung up. Yeah, sure they did. And that, I may have said some choice words at that point. But, on Thanksgiving. Because by this time, I realized that I have to get out of my snuggy PJs that I wanted to spend all days in and go back. And then I got a hold of myself because I was like, this is first world problems, you know. And I should be grateful that there are food at all. So after taking a deep breath, I called again. And after three more times, I got home with somebody. And I said, hey, you know, just so you know, I bought a hot and ready meal. This is what happened. And I'm missing the mac and cheese. Now, mind you, the mac and cheese portion they were supposed to give me was a fairly small tent. Because it was supposed to be enough for four to six people. Mm-hmm. And that's being generous, I think. Okay. So... They're like, okay, ma'am, we're sorry. Why don't you come up here? We'll have your mac and cheese ready. Got it. So change out of the PJs, get into the cars, wave to the neighbor, put on the mask. Well, put on the mask before I leave the house. Um, Get in the car, made sure I stopped this time at the checkpoint. (laughs) Didn't want to mess that up. (laughs) Did not want to mess that up. They took that seriously. So then they're like, oh, your name? Oh, it's you. And then they asked for the last name again. And then they both looked in and I was like, okay, clearly they're, I'm not what they're expecting, but this is who you got. So I need mac and cheese. Okay. So we're driving along. (laughs) I finally get to the little place because unlike last time, there is a line. So I get there and the guy goes, oh, you're so-and-so. Hold on. He goes in the back and comes out with this huge pan of mac and cheese. And I'm, I'm, I feel kind of guilty, right? Because this is more than what I obviously paid for. Yeah, they gave her a nice little tub. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, it's mac and cheese. Who says no to that? So I think them kindly, have them put it in the car. <laughs> and I drove away before they realized. 
because I don't know what to do. Yeah. So I get home, and by this time it was close to a call that, I mean, for the sake of making sure that my family were near their computers and everything, we had made arrangements ahead of time that said, okay, we're going to do a duo call at this time. Be by your computer, have it all ready, so that way when we can communicate with each other, we'll we'll be there. Okay. So yeah, did anybody follow the directions? Kind of. No one followed a <laughs> single damn direction. They were like two thirty. Nah, we're we gonna get back to you about three three thirty, <laughs> four o'clock. We was definitely on CPT. The point is, we tried. Okay. We tried, yeah. We were like, oh, we got to set it up. We got to be ready. Okay, we're ready. Is anybody there? Nope. The fact that we were on CPT, you know, colored people time, does not. They was behind CPT. You know, it was Thanksgiving. So they were in the ancestors, you know, time. <laughs> the ancestors time. Is that bad, huh? Yeah. So it was near the time we were supposed to do this. So I didn't have a chance to dig into the macaroni and cheese. And Big Daddy's like, you're not eating it right away? I'm like, no, no, I don't want to be rude and eat in front of them. So let's just go ahead and do this. By this time, you had dove into what was in the other parts of the packet. And I have to say, some of it was a wee bit scary. Like the turkey. The turkey that was just drenched in, in, in gravy <laughs> to the point where we didn't know if there was any turkey. You just saw the gelatinous gravy on top. Yeah, that was a lot of gravy. One. <laughs> Two, it was interesting that you think of turkey and thinking that they either bake the turkey or roast it somehow. And you would think the turkey would be dry. With that gravy, oh no, it was nice and moist. Not seasoned, but nice and moist. Yeah, but hey, it's and- Cracker Barrel, so. But ironically enough, the juicy part you would think would be the ham was the one that looked like it was railroad track dry. Yeah, the ham looked like it was ran over. Yeah. I felt really bad about that. But let me just say, Big Daddy was prepared. And if you go on his Facebook, or no, not his Facebook, his Instagram. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. <laughs> but they can't find you on Facebook, so it'll be your Instagram. Well, damn. Suck, sucks for them. <laughs> so if they go on your Instagram, you'll see that Big Daddy had this huge pile of seasoning. Ranging anywhere between smoky and sweet paprika to adobo to vegeta, which, by the way, vegeta is my new passion. I I don't know why no one told me about this vegeta stuff. This stuff is the bomb. But you basically, you want it, you had it. I think you even had cinnamon out there. Yes. You just had like a wide range of seasoning. And the caption of the picture was ready to go for Thanksgiving because yeah. you just, you knew that things were not going to be seasoned. Yeah, properly. I knew that there was going to be some tomfoolery afoot at the Circle K. <laughs> when you set it down on the table, I knew that there was going to be some foolishness that was going to occur. So I had my preparedness kit ready when the goober got back with the food. Although it was funny because you were just like, so after all of that, you're not going to dive into the mac and cheese right away? I'm like, no, no. Because two things. One, I was looking at the mac and cheese, and it kind of looked suspect to me. And I was just thinking, if I dove into the mac and cheese right before I did my call with my family, I'm going to sound, and I'm going to be... Her face was going to show it. Yeah, I'm going to have what third base would call the gas face. 
Because mm-hmm. I'm going to be like really angry at <laughs> this bad mac and cheese. Because again, there's nothing worse than bad mac and cheese. And so I thought, you know what? I can wait. It can be part of dinner. And sure enough, after the calls, which was lovely, and we had a great visit with all of her family, when it came time to, you know, open up the tin, it was sort of weird and liquidy and runny. It was a weird gelatinous look. Yeah. So, but I was able to save the mac and cheese. You were actually impressed with me. No, no. Because it was like a scientific experiment. Yeah. I love the fact because this was like in between like, you know, between after her family. And it was totally called your family. Yeah. And it was was like, you know, right before we started to call my family, all of a sudden she went into the lab and started putting things together. She was like, oh, no, we got some cheese. We're going to put this together. We throwing this cheese down. We're going to. Double down on the cheese. What? We're going to put some pepper on it? No, no, no. We, well, first I added Dijon mustard. Okay, Dijon mustard. So I added some Dijon mustard. I was out of nutmeg, so I added a pinch of cinnamon to warm it up. Um, I then um, melted some butter and added some breadcrumbs. I had three different types of cheeses so in my fridge. So I added some goat cheese, some Parmesan cheese, and some Monterey Jack. And, you know, broke it down and blended it in. I know all that. And then I add, I topped it with the buttered breadcrumbs. And then I baked it in the oven for um, about five or ten minutes until everything got bubbly. And the top got um, this beautiful golden brown color. So maybe about 15 minutes at 375, the 400. I love the fact that the goober went all like rescue nine one one on mac and cheese. Like she said, "All right, I'm going sure to." Did. Be, she's like, "I'm going to be the Dr. Dre of mac and cheese to save this." I added some adobo and some vegeta to mm-hmm. you know season it up a bit, and it was perfect after that. Okay, yes. I was just sitting in the corner, like I guess I'll talk to my family now. I was good and fat by then. I felt so guilty. You're so- Sister was like, so where's Jen? Where's JJ? In the lab. And you're like, oh, she's doctoring up the mac and cheese. <laughs> They're like, what? She was like trying to give a cardiac, like, you know, respiration. Like, Dude, we, got, we, got, like, like we got to save it. We got to save it. Life's like, too short for bad mac and cheese. You got to fix that thing up. She was like, I need some breadcrumbs stat. <laughs> no, but it was perfect after that. Okay. And the goat cheese actually added a lot of nuance in terms of the flavor. So between that and the Monterey and the Parmesan, great the shredded Parmesan, not never grated. Um, it was really, really a good mac and cheese after that. I was I was kind of proud of what I was able to do. And we are proud of you for that. Although I am disturbed because I ate that whole pan of mac and cheese in two days. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. But we knew that you were going to put a hurt on it once you got it going. I knew something was wrong when I had it for breakfast the next day. <laughs> Only you. I am not ashamed, though. It was great. <laughs> so, in summation, Thanksgiving was like, it was like beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, and some mac and cheese. You just, you just name it. Okay, okay. Now that we've lost our audience talking about, but you know, this is a food podcast. Yes. So this is what you get. So this is what you pay for, kids. <laughs> the other thing that happened during the holiday break that right before we started recording 
was something that I was really excited about and Big Daddy and I were talking about. And for those who listen, you guys know that I'm a nerd. I I proudly say that I'm a nerd. I accept that I'm a nerd. I have nerdish tendencies. And one of the things that I grew up reading was comic books. My dad collected comic books and he used to have a box that of comic books, like classic stuff, like seriously, like first edition, you know, Dr. Strange and Batman and just, you know, he was mostly Marvel. So I'm mostly Marvel, but there were some DC titles like Swamp Thing and, and stuff that he had. Um, and so as a result, I do read those even now that I'm an adult. And one of the movies that I was waiting to, to see was Wonder Woman 1984, okay, which was the sequel to Wonder Woman, um, directed by Patty Jenkins. And because of the pandemic, as we all know, nobody's going to the theater to watch a movie. At well, least I know least, I'm not. You know, anybody who has washed legs. <laughs> well, anyone who has common sense. Yeah. <laughs> and does not want to be visited by Miss Rona in the next day. I mean, as much as I wanted to go see, you know, David Washington in Tenet, I I personally think that breathing is a higher priority for me. And I could just wait. It's it coming to HBO. So there have been, but Big Daddy and I, we love going to the movies. And unfortunately, we, like so many of you, um, missed out on going to see um, some of the big movies and particularly Wonder Woman, because it was such a huge release. Mm-hmm. They kept pushing it back. So it was supposed to come out in the summer and then it was supposed to come back in the early fall. And finally, Warner Brothers is like, look, we are losing too much money on this. So what they decide to do is they're releasing it worldwide. You guys may have seen um, where they're releasing it worldwide in places that it's safe to go to the theater. So, for example, if you live in a place that's, like, lucky enough to have a drive-in theater, maybe they'll you'll see it there. If not, I know there's some places around the world that is not run by morons and therefore has a control of the coronavirus in their country. Um, and for those places, you'll be lucky. But if you live in the United States and you want to be safe and um, careful... Um, and just quarantine at home as we've continued to do, we've been blessed to do. Let me say that because we recognize that not everyone listening is blessed with their own jobs to be able to do this. And I'm very grateful that we are. Um, but they're going to be streaming through HBO Max. And I kind of did a happy dance when I found that out. And Big Daddy was like, what the heck? And I was like, hey, we can actually watch it from the safety of our homes. And hopefully... Other movie theater or movie companies will do the same thing. So, for example, another movie that I was looking to that will also be coming out on Christmas Day, along with Wonder Woman 1984, is the movie um, Soul by Pixar. And Soul, I've been waiting for that because I've been a fan of Pixar's animation studios for a long time. And for those of you who know about Pixar, this is actually the first Pixar release that has a majority African-American cast that has a black lead character played by Jamie Foxx. It covers like this musician. So there's a lot of music that's jazz and 
related, which I grew up loving and listening to that because of family members who play in the genre. And I have been waiting for this movie forever. And Disney has released, decided that they're going to be releasing that on Christmas Day as well for all those who have um, Disney+. Plus. We have Disney+, Plus because I'm obsessed with The Mandalorian. <laughs> and so... Um, I'm excited because I get to watch that. Um, as far as Wonder Woman, we do not have the HBO Max. And so yeah, I no. thought, you know, <laughs> what we can do <laughs> is we could do a free trial. And then we can watch Wonder Woman, right? That'll be perfect. Well, first of all, those of you like me who are planning that, hope you weren't really looking to do that because I guess HBO is getting rid of the... HBO Max free trial, which is understandable because, you know, if you're not paying for HBO, we all collectively, all of us nerds are going to be like watching Wonder Woman for free. <laughs> and I guess you can't really do that. But I can't be mad because $14.99 just to see the show, it's still cheaper than a trip to the movies. True. And a hell of a lot cheaper than getting the Rona. So in the long scheme of things, I'm willing to do that. But then also after a couple days of Mulling over, Warner Brothers came back, the parent company of HBO Max, and you know the studio that's put out most of the DC properties. They're like, you know what? Screw it. We're just going to put out all of our movies all next year. They're going to be streaming and going to the re- movie theater the same day, which is actually pretty good because not that I'm excited for a lot of their movie um, slates that are coming out. Although Mortal Kombat, I am excited about. I'm I'm embarrassed to admit I have seen Mortal Kombat, the original movie. A few times. It's more than a few times. <laughs> but it's more than more than the Untouchables. It's actually on par with the Untouchables. Oh my goodness! I love Mortal Kombat so much. I'm ashamed of it because it's such a bad movie. Not as bad as Annihilation. Annihilation is terrible. But I just love the campy cheesiness of it. I get giddy whenever I hear a handful of people in a leaky boat. It's going to save the world. <laughs> Every time I hear that, I just, I die a little. I love it. And then the soundtrack is pretty badass. I still listen. Sometimes when I'm working, I still listen to the Mortal Kombat soundtrack. I am not ashamed to say that, okay? <laughs> you want Lawless victory. victory. <laughs> Test so. your might right now. <laughs> to the Come point to where work, put in work. Big Daddy hates it when I watch Mortal Kombat because I get all obnoxious and saying the lines. <laughs> Which line was that? <laughs> no, no, all of the lines. Oh. <laughs> I'm afraid now. All of a sudden, she gets in a pose, and she's, like, ready to, you know, jump out of the corner and attack me. I, I love how cheesy you expect me to believe that the actress who played Sonya Blade could really do that. I happen to think it's delightful that French actor Christopher Lambert is actually playing an Asian god of thunder, Raiden. <laughs> I happen to think it's hilarious <laughs> the way that the guy who plays Johnny Kane is not re- reliable in any 
way, shape, or form as a kung fu fighter. I happen to think that it's hysterical. The girl that they have looks like it's a claymation character. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> so they're due to remake of Mortal Kombat. And so they're going to be streaming that too. So I'm excited. Um, you are such a nice, happy little black nerd, aren't you? <laughs> yes, I am. Although I heard that this one's not going to be as campy. I heard this one's actually going to be like the video game, which is like real violent and stuff. So I'll have to see about that. And the original Mortal Kombat. Okay, we're old enough to remember the original Mortal Kombat and the, and the um, what was it? The arcades. Hell, we're old enough to remember arcades. Fatalities and whatever. It's the one I beat you at how many times in a row? Anyway. <laughs> I'm going to give, no, no, no. I'm going to give the audience my rundown of game plan. When I play video games, I usually keep it to, I play, you know, sports games because I figure that's the only thing I have strategy for. I can't, you know, anytime the Goober and I play any kind of like Street Fighter or any kind of, you know, game that involves gunplay, I'm just, she cannot, exp- like, if there is a zombie ac- apocalypse, you know, game or any kind of real zombie apocalypse, zombie, whatever, takeover, don't depend on me because you screwed. You really are. Yeah. Although it does horrify him because what was that one game that we we played back when we could go to, like, Dave and Buster's before the Rona? Yeah, I couldn't was- tell you. No, it was the Jurassic Park one. Okay. And you were just, one minute we were just like running from dinosaurs. The next minute I like jump in the game with you and take over like Rambo. And you looked at me like, we're going to have to talk about how comfortable you are shooting that gun in the game. Yeah. She all of a sudden like, you know, starts, you know <laughs> pulling out shotguns and, you know, is knocking off dinosaurs and, you know, raptors or whatever, like, you know, left and right. You know, I'm done with the game, like, after, like, four minutes. I'm, you know, I'm out. Playing out to the dead. I'm, like, laying waste to, like, whole groups of, like, zombies. And he's looking at me like, so, um, about how comfortable you are with that? Just know we're straight, right? We're still good as a couple, right? Yeah. She was a little <laughs> bit too easy with that. And I'm like, for now, yes. <laughs> So anyway, the answer to the original question was 56 consecutive times I got torn down on in college playing Mortal Kombat. It actually got so bad, I actually let him choose the character that I beat him up with. I was like, I haven't really got you with, like, Luke Cain in a while. You want me to get that? He's like, sure. (laughs) He still buried me, though. Okay. So all of you youngins out there who <laughs> cats like women who know how to play video games, just know you could be married like us. You're missing out. <laughs> no, no, not really. <laughs> anyway, so going back to the movie, they are releasing it. They're going to be streaming it. And <clears throat> I'm really happy about that. But then that also leads to something that we were talking about um, that we wanted to cover before the break. And that came up in conversation during our week. And that is with people going to stream because it's a safer way to watch movies. And you can watch from the comfort of your home. You can eat whatever you want. You don't have to about 
worried about people talking to the screen, although nine out of 10 is us talking to the screen. Um, what happens to the movie theaters? And sadly, this may be the death knell of movie theaters. Um, and this came a conversation that we had all week about, you know, what happens and our way of life and going back to it. And then we were talking about all the benefits of watching movie at home. And we circled back to eating food at home. And someone actually was on the same um, wavelength that we were, where now people like us are eulogizing movie theaters and thinking that this might be the end once the Rona and hopefully people get the vaccine and it's safe to come out and live our lives again. What does this mean for the experience of going to movie theaters for date night? Well, I know that it will be definitely altered, but I, I still believe in the the concept of movie theaters, if only for this reason. There will always be a need for people to get the hell away from other people, even if you are out and about. And there'll be a need for people to get out of the house. So thus, the movie theaters will come back in some form or fashion, just not maybe the way that we used to see it. That's true. Because, no offense, think about how many first dates are at a movie theater. I know my very first date was going to see House Party at a movie theater so many years ago. You know, you kind of miss that whole experience if you were at home of stretching your arm out past that other person. Yeah, I may have done that a few times. <laughs> you can't reliably do that at home, and especially if you're like quarantined with others, you know. It's not the same. <laughs> One thing that did come up before we break was we were talking about what happens with the movie experience once movie theaters close away? And I came across this really hysterical story that was in the AV club that was following that the fact that people decided to say goodbye to the movie theater experience in their own way by sharing all the food they snuck into movie theaters. Yes. <laughs> all the shit we snuck in. <laughs> now, growing up, in a large family, sneaking stuff into a movie theater was kind of an art for us, okay? First of all, whenever possible, we went to the drive-in theater because it was cheaper than paying per head and going to a traditional theater. So the Tips drive-in in Indianapolis, Indiana was kind of our jam. But I admit, for a long time, I didn't know that Tips movie theater had a food court or a food section because... Right before we left, maybe about an hour before we left, we start the ritual of popping microwave popcorn and putting it in a huge bag, mm. bringing candy, bringing bottled water, bringing sandwiches. Oh, we were set for that double feature. I was. It was years before I realized that anyone actually brought food <laughs> or paid for food at a drive-in. Now, when we did go to a movie theater, you know, a more traditional one, it was more special. But my dad was very like, look, popcorn and soda, that is it. Don't look at that other stuff. Don't look at the candy. So I, you weren't like at the uh, at the concession stand, like, uh, yeah, I'll have a couple bonbons, a couple mm -hmm. jujubes, um, some junior mints, and uh, the movie over here is going to pay for it. No, 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 no. My father knew exactly how much the... Um, the popcorn and two drink meal was. Thank you, Julius. <laughs> so we had to share the popcorn. And if you're out, you're out. Because back in the day, there was no free refill. You had to pay for it. <laughs> At least the theater we went to. 
Okay. So I was curious to see what other things that people were sneaking in. Cause like I said, my mother was kind of a pro at this and I was really shocked at what people managed to sneak into the theater. So <laughs> the question came up by someone by the name of local sound wave. Um, and so he said, now the movie theaters are dead on Twitter. He says that and can't arrest us. What are some of the foods you snuck in the movie theater? He said, I'll start. I took in a Popeye's chicken sandwich because in my jacket pocket, like it was a Colt 45. Mm. Someone else actually shared that they brought in a bag full of tamales to go see Star Star Wars The Force Awakens. I'm impressed. Oh, no, it gets better. Someone actually brought in a full bottle of wine, two glasses of baguette and brie. Which, again, very impressive. Everybody loves Brie, right? <laughs> I don't, but everybody Dude, I Brie. personally would have done that, minus the bottom of wine. Okay. One person said that once I sat next to a lady who looked pregnant, then she pulled out a half a saran wrap watermelon out from under her shirt and began eating it with the spoon with, from her purse. Get out of here. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. Right there. That's, that's a champion right there. <laughs> There were several people who confessed to bringing in spaghetti and meat sauce, which again, how do you bring in spaghetti and meatballs to the theater? No, that's a good question. There's someone who confessed to bringing in cereal and milk. Okay. That's, that's, that's my new MVP. Right that now. is the real MVP. If you bring out cereal and milk to the theater, cause that takes cojones. Yes. <laughs> That takes some real balls to just sit in there chilling and bring it out. Yeah, because I'm thinking, <laughs> how do you keep this, the milk cold? There was a lady who went to go see Hidden Figures, and there was an entire Thanksgiving meal in tinfoil, <laughs> including <laughs> utensils that she took out of her purse. That sounds like your mother. <laughs> Actually, I'm just surprised my mom has never tried to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have stories. <laughs> I mean, come on. That in and of itself. Like, I'm just thinking back to the Thanksgiving meal we just talked about. How would you do that? <laughs> A lot of Ziploc bags. We'll start with that. Um, but my favorite story. Let me see if I can find. There's one lady. Let's see. Where is it? Oh, the two liter that he. My brother snuck a two liter of soda down the front of his pants. It was obvious. It was maybe even more faux obvious when he turned himself around to me and my cousin on the escalator and started yelling, is there something wrong with my crotch? Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> 23 years ago, I brought my family to see the Titanic. My mother's never been to a theater in nearly 20 years. She loved the movie. But she handed out chicken wings and cookies and bags of nuts off from her purse. Yeah, because Titanic is a fairly long movie. To be fair, Titanic was really a horrible movie. So, yeah, I would have done it. Mm. And then, okay, this is the MVP, in my opinion. Okay. One person responded that they went to go see The Place Beyond the Pines. They brought two foot-long subs, a bag of grapes, in a container of potato salad. How do you hide the footlong subs? 
Three. You cut it off. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, this is even better. Oh, my God. I forgot about this. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm just here. Someone brought a whole rotisserie chicken, mashed potatoes, and biscuits. But why? <laughs> I guess they had leftovers they had to get rid of after Thanksgiving. I, I, I'm impressed, but at the same time. That's the same person brought the cereal and milk. Okay. They had like a whole, like, you know, one cold storage unit they ain't telling us about. Whoever that person is, you are the MVP. We stand in awe of your frugalness, your craftiness, and bringing it all in. You're just general boldness because it's not like you can quietly eat an entire rotisserie chicken, mashed potatoes, and a tree in a theater. And, you know, kudos to the people sitting around you and not ratting you out. Yeah. Like you come in there, you got beans, greens, potatoes, <laughs> tomatoes. tomatoes. <laughs> oh my gosh. So this Thanksgiving day, or I'm sorry, this Christmas day. Hopefully, if you're like me, you're going to stay safe. <laughs> you can eat whatever you want. You can stream Wonder Woman um, 1984 or Soul in front of the TV. And no one will rat you out, hopefully. But if once theaters open up again, to all of you out there who bring in cereal milk, we salute you. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about three I'm... Um, Stories that really captured our attention. And then we will wrap things up as we always do talking about the best thing we ate this week. So you're listening to the Gourmet Goober. We'll be right back. Hey guys, I'm JJ Outlaw, better known as the Gourmet Goober. And I'm here to share this great new recipe journal from author Gaby Lorano. It's a progressive cooking journal designed for short and simple recipes at the beginning before advancing with spaces for longer recipes as you go. It's colorful, fun, fits easily in the kitchen drawer, and it's perfect for any home cook. Best of all, it has over 100 pages for your most beloved culinary delights. Be sure to get your copy today at Amazon.com. This is JJ Outlaw and T Outlaw, and we are back with a new segment of the Gourmet Goober podcast. This is the part of the show that we call "What's Eating Us." That's where we share stories that fall within the intersection of food and pop culture. Sometimes they're challenging, sometimes they're funny, sometimes they're everything in between. But they're stories that we feel that the audience need to know about. And this week we have free. I'm sorry, did I just say free? Free? They're not free. Did I say brie or free? I know I didn't say three. Three, free, brie. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Let's start this again. We have three stories this week um, that definitely fall within the nexus of food and pop culture that has everyone talking. The first story is actually a story out of the UK, and it deals with um, a show that is very popular on both sides of the pond, I mean, they also have a version of the show here in the United States um, called Master Chef. Um, and you may have heard of this. This is sort of like 
one of those cooking shows, um, Big Daddy, that's out there where people compete in order to prove that they're the best cook. Kind of similar to Iron Chef, but instead of Iron Chef being like a one-on-one type of situation, yeah, there's like a group of chefs that, you know, like Highlander, they can be only one at the time they're done. Um, and they have different challenges that are set before them. It's most notable for being started by um, celebrity chef Gordon Ramsay, who um, has made his name, at least in the United States, for his abrasive style as far as dealing with individuals. Um, he doesn't have the warmest, you know, <laughs> bedside manner. Yeah, um, that's the thing. A lot of these shows, for some reason, they end up, I don't know, it seems like the the culture around you know, MasterChef and some of these other shows are almost cutthroat. Now, that said, uh, there's also a MasterChef Junior. Yeah. And I guess he's not as abrasive with the children, thank God. Um, yeah, sure he's not. <laughs> but um, he's pretty well known for this. And so on the London side, they just had a show, I believe it started in November, where it was called MasterChef The Professionals. And instead of having amateur chefs, these are well-known individuals who have maybe made their name for themselves in social media or well-known chefs, and they're all competing to see who is the most impressive one. One of the contestants on this um, version of MasterChef is a woman by the name of Philly Armitage Metin, and she's a London-based chef, and she's facing backlash um, for referring to Asian cuisines as dirty. And let me just give you a background on that because she, um, and to my understanding, she is not of Asian descent. Not that that makes any difference. And we'll dive into that in a moment. But she actually started cooking um, when she was hired by one of the Gordon Ramsay restaurants. And she claimed that she fell in love with the quote unquote Asian style of cooking, which kind of bothers me in a way because doesn't really say we're in Asia and it assumes that anyone who is Asian has a monolithic way of cooking when they're very diverse and set styles. So maybe it might've been better Asian fusion or something like that. Some kind of continental schism that they could throw together. I mean, there are some differences, but she identifies herself and she branded herself as this Asian specialist. And her Instagram particularly has identified some of the food as hashtag pretty dirty food. And her tagline for her specialty is dirty food refined. Now, this was recently called out by a gentleman by the name of Clarence Kwan. He is the creator of something that's called um, Chinese protest recipe. This actually sounds really cool, by the way, because it's a cooking zine. You don't really see a lot of those around anymore. Yes. But it's a cooking scene that focuses on anti-racism and Chinese food. And he posted a screenshot of her bio to his Instagram stories where he expressed his dismay. He said that Chef Philly, that's her Instagram, brands herself as an Asian-inspired chef using the tagline, Dirty Food Elevated and Pretty Dirty Food. In a year where Chinese and East Asian communities have essentially been blamed for the pandemic and chastised as dirty, this type of narrative is completely unacceptable. And I I think that he's hitting on to something because in another post, he also describes why he's disturbed by this even further. 
He says, here is a person that's profiting off of, quote unquote, dirty Asian food, while countless Asian restaurants have suffered vandalism, violence, and even a fallen victim under the same um, baseless labeling that we know that came out of, you know, the occupant and the pandemic. Yes. He goes on to say, who greenlines these contestants? Who does the background check on these candidates? Did no one see this as potentially problematic? And I think that's a good point because quite frankly, as he told the Today Show, words matter, right? True. And it's been used as a weapon against Chinese immigrants um, for almost 200 years in their history of being in the country. In fact, very notably, there was another restaurant that was closed. I don't know if you remember. I think we may have talked about it on and another previous episode, it was called Lucky Lee's. And it was a restaurant in New York City that had closed last December. So it's been closed for about a year. They came under fire for the another reason when they opened in April 2019. And they pretty much said, you know, we perfected Chinese food. And, you know, we've healthified a Chinese restaurant using words as clean and organic and less oil. And... First of all, I just want to get your thoughts on it because she did issue an apology, to be fair. Um, in her line, and I'm not sure if I buy this. Okay. But this is her apology. Let's let's read the apology, then we can talk about it. Okay. She said, There's been a lot of comments in social media over the past weekend about my use of the fur the, the phrase dirty food, and I wanted to clarify my position. I have never once called Asian food dirty in a derogatory term. I've never used the phrase dirty to reflect something being unclean or hygienic. This mean that the way I mean food to be dirty is an indulgent street food, food that comforts you as in going out for a dirty burger. I have found the social media discussion and direct messaging around the language of my food to be personally very upsetting and misinformed. Far from being critical, I want to be proud and celebratory. As a chef, I only cook food that I personally find interesting, delicious, and that I'm passionate about, which includes street food from around the world. And it never occurred to me to connect the words dirty and Asian in the manner in which I'm accused of. That has never been my intention. I'm truly sorry if this caused any offense. Okay, so I have my thoughts on her apology. I'm going to hear your thoughts first, and then we're going to talk about it because, to me, at its, you know what? I'm not going to go there. Let's start with you first, and then I'm going to give my thought. But just know that there's a history behind why some of this is disturbing as it relates specifically to Chinese food restaurants. Yes. Well, let's start with me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> To the best of my knowledge, am I a connoisseur of Asian culture and Asian food? No. And I I will defer to others who are. That being said, I know that I'm, there have been things that maybe I as a person have gone to the kitchen and cooked and or have eaten or gone to a restaurant and Partaking of that, you know, I might have called like, you know, one slang over and as opposed to another. Yeah, I'm sure like, you know, I've 
dealt with some ghetto rice or dirty rice or dealing with like, you know, I have ghetto quesadillas, I, you know, but that's just being fun and just picking up something. But that being said, one of the things that the last nine months have brought forth with this pandemic is the fact that this was perpetuated by a stereotype, by a trope. And what this person did was pile on that trope. And and by this person, you mean 45, the occupant? Yes. Yes. Okay. I was trying to like, you know, try to get through <laughs> it cleanly, but yes, it was piling on trope. And I don't think that Ms. Armitage Martin helped that. Matter of fact, added to that the hurt that this community suffered because of it. And like I said, I know very little about it. And there are people, including the Goober, who could speak more to it. But that being said, I understand your apology. And Lord knows, I'm sure I may have said some things in the past privately that mm, may be a little edgy about, you know, certain cultures of food. But that being said, this was a wrong time for that to come up. And I mean, while I understand what your apology is trying to say, this was the wrong community to set that forth with. And the long, horrible history of the Asian community and their perpetuation of the food and stereotypes upon not only our shores, but also internationally lends itself to believe that this was not a good thing to have occur. And if you are a quote unquote true connoisseur, that you will be willing to do the work to, I don't know, rectify if you truly believe in that. But that's just me. So I defer once again back to the goober to have her thoughts. All right. Well, a couple things, and I think it's multi-layered what I'm about to say. Mm. First of all, I'm not sure if I buy her apology, simply because the thing that happens a lot, um, and I noticed this during my time, uh, when I'm not a podcaster, I work a lot with nonprofits. And I spent time over the last, I would say, five years or so working specifically in justice work organizations. And there was one organization that I worked with. It was a nonprofit that dealt with um, advocating for social justice on issues such as food insecurity, racial representation, um, equity in terms of economics um, and fairness on just a wide variety of things. But I worked with young people. And the one thing that I used to tell young people all the time when we talked about historically marginalized populations, these are Black and Indigenous and other um, populations of color that for one race or another has been vulnerable to various um, things throughout their existence within the United States and beyond the diaspora. Um, one thing I used to tell students all the time is that intent does not equal impact. And whether or not you intended for something to be that way, your intention does not affect the impact it has on the community. 
And as you alluded to before, this is a woman who has pride herself to the point where it was part of her Instagram um, ID. It was part of her tagline that she has on the television show. She prides herself over and over again as being someone who is specializes in quote unquote Asian cuisine. Now, again, that's mm. disturbing f- for me as someone who has come to understand and really appreciate different cultures and Chinese food is different than Korean food. It just is. Japanese food has different elements than Filipino food. So for what part of Asia do you specialize in? Is it all of it? Is it some of it? But take that out of the equation. When you look at that particular language, for you to say that you have never used the word dirty to reflect something being unclean and unhygienic, One, I doubt that to be true because that's just a standard usage of the word. And then two, it is disturbing in part because of the fact that this is a culture that you have taken upon yourself to, as uh, Mr. Kwan said in his post, to profit from, to specialize in, to promote yourself as one that's well-versed in the topic. And at the same time, you don't know enough about those populations to know the implication behind alluding to that a food is dirty. Particularly now, as you said, Hmm. that we're in a pandemic and a lot of the verbiage now, it may be more centered through our existence in the United States with occupant insisting on not calling the COVID-19 or the novel coronavirus as what it is, but his insistence of calling it something as racist as the Wuhan flu and having his cronies call it the Chinese food flu and things like that. The Kung flu. Oh, the Kung flu, which is so bigoted and having as a result populations seeing that they have been vandalized. They have been hurt. They have been called names in stores. They have been victims of racist attacks as a result of this. Even if this is not something that is happening across the shores where you live in London, surely to God you picked up a newspaper and know that people of Asian descent of all different cultures, because people unfortunately are so uneducated, they just assume that anyone who looks Asian is Chinese or what have you. Surely to God, you must have noticed that the words that are being used against these populations of color are being detrimental and causing them harm. So if this is something that you profit from, you should at least educate yourself on the issues that affect those communities. Mm -hmm. And for you not to do that, at the very least, is short-sighted. But it's also incredibly selfish, and it leads itself to what happens a lot in food populations um, the lack of diversity and representation. And yes, I'd some say appropriation. And let me just stop right there because I know some people will listen and say, oh, Goober, does that mean that I cannot make Asian-inspired food? I can't make Japanese food or ramen? or No, no, no. That is not what I mean by that at all. Well, don't make it sucky. But <laughs> what I mean by that is that for many of these underrepresented populations. Mm-hmm. And 
foodie spaces and restaurant spaces and places like that, they don't get the benefit of being celebrated and have their stories told. Oftentimes their stories told by individuals who have no relation to the culture. So for example, for every Ming Tsai, who by the way, just as a side note, love Ming Tsai, but for every Ming Tsai or for every Marcus Samuel who is of Ethiopian descent, there are people like this woman who have no stake in a game, who doesn't really understand the culture and use that as a means to elevate her cooking style and get celebrated. And we've seen that in other forms as well, how everything from music to fashion gets whitewashed. So as a little girl growing up and wearing cornrows, oh my gosh, I was made fun of all the time. Years later, Kim Kardashian wears cornrows and she gets to charge people for it. So the fact that there's not an eco playing field about how hey, different... Hey, 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 hey. hey, hey. Cornrows? Boxer braids. Oh, that's right. Kim hey, Kardashian no. called them boxer braids. They were cornrows, sis. But the point I'm trying to make is <laughs> throughout history, they have been histories of people who have taken the work and the cultures of populations packaged it in a way that it's whitewashed and sold it to different individuals. And I'm not saying that that's what she's doing. But honestly, if you call yourself to be a specialist, at the very least, you should be mindful of the issues and the populations that you have taken these recipes from. And you have a responsibility to know about the needs of these populations and use your platform so that people can understand the why and the history and the culture behind it, not just to package it and put it out on a on a on a, a television show and suddenly you get millions of followers and get you know celebrated for that. Because where's the work in, in that? And that's not even fair. So going back to people saying, well, does that mean that I can't do it? No, because there are ways you can do it right. And one person that I always talk about, in my opinion, who does it right is Rick Bayless. Okay. So Rick Bayless is a Chicago-based um, celebrity chef. You've probably seen his stuff in stores. And things like that, He um, his specialty is Mexican cooking. But the really great thing that I've seen him do, and he's not perfect. No one's perfect in this regards. But I have seen him on occasion when he like has like presentations or things like that. It's more than just, oh, let me make this great guacamole. No, he goes a little bit further. He invites people from the culture regularly whose recipes and things he cooks. And he uses his platform to share it with them in order to elevate the status as well. And he's not the only chef that does it, but I'm just saying he's one that people I can point to that a lot of people know that can show how to use your platform the right way so that you're not taking advantage of populations that don't have a voice. And let me just say, it's important when you figure out who gets invited to the table. And this is something that you see not only, again, in cooking and movies, you see all the time people telling stories about our culture, but really turn it into like a white savior story. Um, you see it all the time in music and different things like that. What I, for example, when I started out the Gourmet Goober years ago, and you remember when I would tell you this, yeah. when I first got it started invited to media events and things like that, 
where they would ask me to come and as a member of the press, like an indie press, cover things. And I would walk in and I would be the only person of color in the entire place. And beyond being uncomfortable, it was also sad too, because that means our view, our representation, our values, our stories are not being told. And oftentimes it would be by people who pride themselves on, oh yeah, I make soul food, but they've never spent time. Like doing research. (laughs) Doing research or understanding it. Well, sis, you may think soul food, but the way you make those collard greens means you've never met a person who actually had soul. Just saying. <laughs> Your lack of seasoning says otherwise. <laughs> yes. So it was really important to me when I started the Gourmet Goober to highlight voices and the highlight individuals and giving them a seat at the table. And that's something that as we grow that um, this podcast, we have some hopefully some opportunities for interviews further down the line where we showcase individuals that have that. Entertainment. Um, But I I just think it's really egregious her ignoring that. Particularly, again, I, I don't know if the audience is familiar, but the targeting of dirty and restaurants, Asian restaurants, particularly Chinese Restaurants yes. have a very troubled history. And it's tied around something you may have seen if you go to a restaurant where it says the words MSG, which is monosodium glutamate. Pay attention, kids. And you may notice how a lot of Asian restaurants are very upfront and posting that they don't have this. And this is because of the fact that um, back, I believe, in the 1960s, there was a letter that was published in the New England um, Journal of Medicine where it was from a gentleman, um, and it may be disputed, but the letter basically accused Chinese food as being a reason why um, this individual had experienced a whole host of maladies ranging anywhere from weakness to, you know, to shorten as a breath. And the thing is... Homeboy could have had gas. Yeah. The issue itself um, led to a very um, sad time where they even came up with a name for it. I believe it was Chinese Restaurant Syndrome. Yes. Where they... Um, there were articles in the New York Times. There were people who told these immigrants that they did not want to eat at their restaurants and basically threatened to close and stop the livelihood of hundreds of thousands of people across the country, right? Um, Over this idea that their food makes people sick. Now, here's the dirty little secret. And I know people, I have people in my life who insist that they cannot touch anything with MSG in it. Here's the dirty little secret, people. You eat MSG almost every day. Enjoy a bag of Doritos. You have been consumed MSG. Oh, my God. Enjoy some ranch dressing as I do and I talk about all the time on the show. Yes, you do. Guess what? Ranch dressing has the MSG. Oh, my God. MSG is like the magic thing, by the way, folks. It's like we've talked about Unami as well. 
um, umami as well. Umami is the phenomenon that it's like the perfect taste, right? It's something that has like, you know, sweet and sour and salty and just all of that where all five senses are tantalized and, you know, touched at the same time, right? Correct. MSG is like crystallized umami, dude. So if you ever had something that just tastes so good to make your toes grow, odds are it has a little MSG in it. But oddly enough, no one complained about that. Just the inference that it's the Chinese food that makes it awful and makes it sick. So again, for her to target, you know, Asian food, for many people's mind, it tied into that. So not only could it hurt on the level of what's going on with the pandemic, but some of the historic stereotypes and wrong stereotypes that exist about Asian food of different um, cultures also exists and gets tied up in her statement as well. So, you know, to wrap things up before we move on to the second story, if she is truly sorry, I hope that she does something to go above and beyond the standard, I'm sorry for what I said and I didn't mean it this way, and hopefully educate herself and use her platform because she does have a lot of people. <laughs> is that your Kim Kardashian voice? Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> so maybe Chef Philly could use her time in order to educate herself and then use her platform to hopefully rectify any damage that she's made. Because quite frankly, you know, the beauty of cooking is that what I get so excited about it is learning things in different cultures and meeting new people. And Big Daddy, he'll tell you, sometimes we'll just be at a grocery store and just some random person that I've never met come up and tell me a new recipe and we'll talk about food. <laughs> and I learned so much. And so the beauty is that you want to be able to share this and sharing the culture behind it in a way that's respectful so that everyone can benefit from it. Yeah, as long as we're on the surface, we're all learning and we're all growing together. That's the most important thing. And there's there's no problem accepting each other's culture and, you know, immersing yourself in new things. Lord knows that's what this whole podcast is to me, is me immersing myself in just trying new stuff. Some I like, some of it a lot I don't like, but that's just me learning. But yes, be faithful in saying that you are trying it and that you are doing something that may be outside your realm or you're trying to appreciate culture, but not appropriate it. Exactly. And remember, intent does not equal impact, folks. Amen. So, so moving on to the next story. This is something that happened here in the United States, and you may have heard about it, where there is a restaurant. There's a restaurant. <laughs> in Dallas, Texas. The restaurant is called... True Kitchen and Talk Cocktails. And if you are on Twitter, if you're a member of Black Twitter, which I'd like to say I am, maybe lurking on it. If you're a member of that. Or regular Twitter. <laughs> um, you may have noticed a lot of people having a lot of fun at this restaurant suspense. So it was a post that initially happened from someone who was sharing their experience. They went to a restaurant. Um they unfortunately got a lot of bad service. And while they're at this particular restaurant for brunch, which, okay, I, I just need to get this out the way. Okay. 
we're not going to talk about because for the purpose of not driving me insane, the fact that all of this happened during the Rona and, and the fact that the restaurant looked like it was pretty filled. No one's wearing a mask, socially distancing, what have you. I'll just get that out the way now. This was down in Texas. So, you know, I'm lucky they didn't come in with like, you know, Ooh. with the dark desperado mask on. Baby, no one's wearing a dark desperado mask. Maybe Stop they should. Stop trying to make happen. happen. Hey. So anyway, imagine you're sitting down, you're having brunch, you're having lamb chops, which this rest- restaurant is known for. And then while you're enjoying this sumptuous meal, you hear in the background playing very loudly with a DJ. What was that? The name of the song? Throw that ass in a circle. Throw that ass in a circle. Uh, 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 uh. It's funny because the first time I heard it, literally the first thing I could do, I twerked. Oh, I don't think what you did was called twerking. Shut up. But you tried. Hey. <laughs> hey. I, I, I put my hands, put my fingers to my toes, and threw it up in the air. You can't listen to a song without twerking. I'm sorry to tell you. Well, now you've jumped over the punchline. No, no, no. Essentially what happened was, while... Throw that ass at a circle was being played over the lamb chops that everyone was enjoying. A lady decided to do just that. Well, the owner of the restaurant was not having it. And he got up and someone videotaped it where he basically said that he started this restaurant for the culture and that he personally did not think the twerking was appropriate um, mm-hmm. at this restaurant. He goes on to say that. Even though he did create a party atmosphere, you know, with said dance party vibes, that he said for the women who were twerking that it was largely disrespectful. And how dare you ask the men who's enjoying themselves at the restaurant to enjoy themselves with said twerking taking place. In essence, he told everyone that he didn't need their money. And if that was how they decided to behave themselves, that they can kindly just leave. And people did. They actually asked for check, check please, and they left. Okay. So this in and of itself caused a bit of a stir, as you can imagine, um, from anywhere from the restaurant is, um, I think, this sh- this gentleman who owns the restaurant, let me get his name. I forget the owner's name. Um, Person X, yeah. <laughs> Person X. I guess my first question is, who played the music? Um, his name is Kevin Kelly, okay. and Kevin played the music actually. And so Kevin Kelly has insisted that the restaurant is being booked out for weeks at a time, and they're super incredibly busy. That um, even in the coronavirus pandemic, even in the coronavirus pandemic. And that lots of people agree with his anti-twerking. Okay. This actually has led to several questions for me. One, okay. Whether or not you agree that the young lady was free to shake her butt in the restaurant. Free to be. (laughs) I have to say, one, if you do not want to invite that type of behavior, I don't know. I've gone to brunch plenty of times in my life. Usually I go to lunch and maybe the funkiest thing you hear is like, you know, 
Wild Cherries play that funky music. Okay. <laughs> but most of the time when I go to brunch, it's kind of like a toss between Burt Bacharach and something a little bit stronger than that. Never throw that ass in a circle. So That would question, make for a lively brunch. And for a DJ. So he kind of set the stage, didn't he not, with like playing trap music and expecting that you know, people are just going to have fun that way. Yes. Yes, he did. And that's the thing. I'm not trying to begrudge him because this is restaurant and you can do whatever you want. That being said, maybe if you don't want, you know, the, to catch some of the flame that he caught, maybe, you know, as opposed to, you know, as you said, some trap music throwing an ass in a circle. <laughs> maybe the brother could pull it back, you know, go back into some DJ quicker. Maybe, hell, just play some Luther and, you know. Yeah, exactly. Although, let me ask a question. And this is is basically for you. Because when we had our production meeting yesterday. Yes. We were going back and forth whether or not. Because at one point, as this video became viral, what he did is he actually doubled down, right? And he actually showed video um, instead of, because a lot of people said, well, if one person's doing it. Why don't you just pull them aside, right? And just say, yo, maybe put your butt on vibrate. Let's not do that. Mm. But he has, he released video where he was like pulling her to the side. Cause at one point what started his rant was, I guess she went to like the window and decided to do her twerking dance for everybody at the window. And she like stood on the couch that was there. Now I agree. Standing on the couch is probably a no, no. And I know some people were talking about whether or not this is an issue with respectability politics and things like that. And we even talked about whether or not we would want to put it on the show because Mm -hmm. a lot of it felt like conversation that should be kept within the family and have it go out to like everybody. But did your opinion change about whether or not how people got the same when you actually heard Throw Your Ass in a Circle. Because at that point, we had not heard the song. And I'm like, let's just play it. And then he, I played it, and you looked at me like, oh, yeah, I can see how people get that impression. Yes. <laughs> it changed. Uh, it, it, I don't know if the words, if I did a 180, but I definitely, my mind definitely went a different direction once I heard the song and everything that, the connotation that came with the song. If, um, if, if, if you've never heard the song, the song, by the way, is by someone by the name Lino. Say um, it. If you okay. get it out. First of all, just as a side note, maybe we should tell people we're obviously cursing on this episode because you cannot say, to talk about the story without saying, throw that ass in a circle. So mom and dad are very sorry if you're listening. <laughs> not like Say it. Second Not of like all, we haven't done it before. I know. Second of all, the guy who put out the song is a man named Lil Ronnie Motherfucker. Oh, so Samuel Jackson's like cousin or something. <laughs> so, no offense. And if you hear the song, Lil Ronnie does not, like, he does not use any euphemisms. He just basically puts it out there. There's no misunderstanding what he meant. Yes. And I thought, just for kicks, just watch the video. Oh, no. Ronnie was very, very out there with what he meant by that. 
So quite frankly, if you, you know, just enjoying your lamb chops at this restaurant (laughs) and see mama gets up, you know, after she had a couple of cocktails and decided to, you know, enjoy herself and have fun, you would expect that that's this type of established restaurant, right? Yeah. Well, that's the thing about this. I guess maybe you bear with me because where I am, the we're not in lockdown, but we're in a, a space where you only have so many people in a restaurant and pretty much you're getting your stuff delivery, carry out. There's not really any dining. If there is, there's very few, at least where I am right now. But my concept is if you're the one playing the music and let's not lie about what the music is saying, because just by listening to it, there's a whole lot of people that's about to make a little change. <laughs> they was trying to you make know, a little change up in here. <laughs> that's right. They was trying to supplement their income, <laughs> and or they were bending over to the front. And they was touching them toes. I'm not saying that it'd probably be a more appropriate play in Magic City. Yeah, but it really was okay. So you kind of got what you get. Oh yeah, but along with that. <laughs> The fact that you're saying this in the restaurant and you're all mad about it, as opposed to, you know, you know, if she was outside, you know, doing all this, that would be one thing. You know, being up in the restaurant, okay, that could be a problem. Well, the other thing to think about is this restaurant apparently has been attracting controversy for a while. Okay. So, for example, the restaurant's dress code um, bags, saggy pants, tank tops, Fuzzy slides, among other garments. Um, it also has a, a note that's on the Instagram account that says no guest has the right to come in our home business and stand on furniture. Okay, okay understand. Mm-hmm. Because of any song played. As for twerking being a part of our culture, we do not welcome the part of our culture that will come into a restaurant, stand on a cult stand on furniture and twerk by using culture as an excuse. <laughs> okay. So clearly you're amused by that. <laughs> okay. Point received. Um, the dress code. Just talking about that for a moment, because again, going back to that organization that I used to work with and justice work, we all know that having dress codes as saggy pants, tank tops, Air Force Ones, there's some there's some restaurants in Chicago that don't allow sneakers. But we all know the reason why they have that is to keep out a certain section of the community. Right. And on one hand, I mean, I guess you can allow whatever you want. But on the other hand, a lot of people have criticized this as being discriminatory and slightly racist. Mm-hmm. And it seems like he doesn't know what he wants because on one hand, if he wants it to be a Jack and Jill type of crowd, and we're not going to take time to explain that. You'll just Google Jack and Jill club. If you don't know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, if he wants a Jack and Jill type of crowd, that's fine. But maybe then he should take steps to create an atmosphere that doesn't go with that. But then again, we ain't getting the shame Maurice. That, that's not exactly fair because, well, I don't. I don't necessarily think this young lady. This young lady maybe shouldn't have not been on the couch. But for everything else, 
you know, if they just decided to start like a cha-cha slide of twerking on the floor, mm-hmm. I would not be surprised by that. No. And I think the implication is more disturbing of the fact that he's implying that people who enjoy this, who knows, maybe the woman and her friends who are twerking have a good time. Maybe they're all lawyers. You don't know who they are. But the implication, then again, like you said in the previous story about applying what is associated with hood and ratchet and things like that, mm-hmm. I think that's what he was trying to it, apply <laughs> to Attach. the people that were there attached, so to speak, without really understanding that, one, people can be many things. Like I always say I'm a little gourmet and a lot ratchet because I enjoy both. Both. I can talk to you by about Werner Herzog movies and still break down an episode of Love and Hip Hop for you. Good for you. You know that because I've done both. Yes, you have. <laughs> so I, I guess that's really disturbing as well. I, however, am a little more. Okay, see, I'm going to go ahead and screw this up. I'm a little more classic, bougie, ratchet. <laughs> okay, Megan. <laughs> Savage. <laughs> I have, I have my well, wait a minute. So if Megan Thee Stallion going there, who's known for her twerking, will he kick Megan Thee Stallion up? That would be a good question. Because I don't think if Megan went up in there and did a little bit of twerking, I don't think he would kick her out. At least she ain't going to have like no dudes falling behind and trying to shoot her. If Big Frida... Oh, that's mean. Hey. Thomas. Hey. hey no, hey, no disrespect. <laughs> huh. If Big Frida came up in there, yeah. I don't think he would throw out Big Frida. Mm-hmm. Although Big Frida is rather large. Big Frida is a pretty really tall yeah. individual. It'd be hard to throw Big Frida out. Now go ahead and push that out. Mm-hmm. By the way, what you did was not twerking. But Big Frida does have like something on like YouTube if you wanted to learn how to twerk. And don't feel bad because I can't twerk. My booty doesn't work that way. Yeah, there's nothing about my ass <laughs> telling me, you know, it's going to make me. But if you wanted to, Big Frida is a person to learn to teach you. And I'm a big, I'm a fan of Big Frida. I'm sorry. Her song Rent is like everything to me. I listen to it once a week. So <laughs> that's the wretched side of me. Yeah. <laughs> so the last story we want to talk about are two celebrities that are getting in the cookie game. So one you may have heard of, and this is involving, of all people, Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga. The star is actually pairing up with the historic brand Oreo to come out with something that's called Chromatica. It's a Chromatica Oreo. It's hitting grocery stores shelves in January. And if you know, Oreo, they have actually been um, going together with celebrities and other stars to do things for a while. We talked about that really expensive Oreo um, earlier in a podcast episode. Um, and, you know, they've actually had different um, versions of Oreos from birthday cake to chocolate um, peanut butter pie to carrot cake. Yes. Yes. And, and yes. <laughs> so the Chromatica um, one, it's actually a way to promote her um, album of the same title. Mm-hmm. It's a f- vanilla flavored Oreo that features hot pink wafers and neon green cream and is stamped with images inspired by the album. 
The limited edition cookies, which again is available in January, are also being paired with something that's called Sing It With Oreo, which is a campaign which asks fans to record musical messages of kindness on this website to send with loved ones across the country, all for the chance to meet Lady Gaga or go to a concert once it's safe. So Lady Gaga is coming out with her own branded cookie, and not to be outdone, Mariah Carey is also coming out with her cookie. So what it is, it's actually a launch of a new cookie line called Mariah's Cookies. And it's actually, get this, it's going to be produced in what's called Ghost Kitchen. So you may recall when we talked about Wiz Khalifa's um, hot box concept where they they don't actually have like physical branded restaurants. They actually go with other restaurants that are producing other things. Like say, for instance, it's a Domino's, right? Yes. And they decide that they want to co-op and produce Mariah's cookies. So she gives them the recipe, everything they need. It's a virtual dining thing and it gets delivered um, to you um, just like the Uber Eats or something like that. Now, she is actually launching that in L.A. and also more than 30 U.S. cities with more markets to follow. And the cookie line offers classic flavors um, like chocolate chunk. I think there's a triple chocolate chunk. There's a Heath bar, a lemon cooler. Nice. There's um, classic gingerbread cookie, pumpkin, white chocolate cranberry. And then they have something called spice oatmeal raisin. Damn. We I'm don't know why that needs to have. We don't know why that has to exist, but let's just go with Mariah. Yeah. I'm sure it tastes great. So <clears throat> the good thing is the holiday flavors and all the other cookies will be available all around um the holiday flavors will always be the the money maker (laughs) and the release of the cookie lines up with the debut of her apple tv special that came out this week which was called mariah carey's magical christmas special which if you're on twitter for example you may have seen um the song that she performed with i think it was ariana grande and jennifer hudson um which was really incredibly great but again, I think this is actually a really cool thing that she's doing. And you can get hot and fresh Mariah cookies all year round. So if you had a choice between eating cookies from Oreos from Lady Gaga or Mariah's cookies, what would you choose? Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Hold on. I, I, I need some help with this. Hold on. I would be a Mariah's cookies person. Absolutely. Now hold on for a minute. Now, I, I I'm I may go the oppo here. Really? Bear with me here. I, I I need to get into my 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 character here. See me like Cookie Monster. Oh my God! You're not just doing this. Eyes Cookie Monster. We like to believe. Sorry. Why does I, your I was, Cookie Monster sound like he's mixed with Red Fox? <laughs> I was trying to like I I was actually going a little oh more. Oh my God! I'm sorry, there. people. I didn't know he was going to do that. I didn't know I was going like I was trying for Cookie Monster and it went more into Mr. T. But it sounds like Cookie Monster hung out with Red Fox. Like, I was, snap, yeah, shut up, dummy. Uh, yeah, exactly. Come on, Elizabeth. I'm eating all these damn cookies. Go for the big one, right? I'm going for the big one, Elizabeth. I'm coming. But no. Please stop. Anyway, me and the cookies. The best way I could describe it is as much as 
I would like to roll with Mariah Carey because I would just love to try Mimi's cookies. You know, I would like to help her emancipate. As many of us grew up in the 90s, I know a lot of people would probably say the same thing. Yes. Now, that being said. Plus, no offense, who doesn't want to get delivered warm cookies? I'm a big fan of warm cookies. That's a smart concept. Me, a big fan. Always like, but that being said, the proven product would say, okay, I'm, I'm intrigued. I would definitely try Mariah's cookie brand, you know, and depending on how, like, you know, the pop-up shop or ghost shop, as you would, would put it together, is still not quite a known product as opposed to Oreos, which there are very few ways to, let's just go ahead and say it since, as you said, we can say anything we want on this podcast. There are very few ways to fuck up Oreos. It's still possible to do. Yes, technically it's still possible. <laughs> and having something called, what was it, Chromatica? Yes. May sound a little scary but it's from an, the get-go. But that's the name of her album. And it's, that is the name of her album. And it's a vanilla-flavored Oreo. And to be I, fair, most Oreos are good, but occasionally like the fruit punch oreos there have been missteps yeah you're gonna have some really you know jacked up ones along the way but that being said they're very they're oreos they're a proven product within reason yeah there's some flavors you may not want to toss together but from what i think uh they're trying to influence i really could care less about you know all the stuff and like you know, put around the cookie or, you know, with the chance to meet Lady Gaga. I just want a damn good cookie. Hmm. You know, I want a big old cookie. <laughs> well, one thing is certain is that both Lady Gaga and Mariah will have to work really hard in order to meet the standard that was set by, of all people, Patty LaBelle. Ah, yes. Yes. For those of you who may know, Miss LaBelle sells... um Patty, Patty. A lot of different food items at Walmart. And she's well known for her sweet potato pie. And get this, people, she sells a sweet potato pie at Walmart every two seconds. During the holidays. No, not just during the holiday. Throughout the year. Every single day, she sells a patty pie every two seconds. How much money is Patty LaBelle getting for selling this pie? Every two seconds. I don't know, but let's just work this out. Because remember, Patty Pies have been out since 2015. Mm -hmm. So this has been around for five years. And people were paying um, upwards of $60 for what is priced at Walmart at $3.48. So if you think about it, every single day, people buy 36,000 Patty Pies. Thirty six thousand patty pies, and at three four three ninety eight a pop, which is what they price at now, even with inflation added, that is a hell of a lot of money. That is one thousand five hundred pies sold every hour, and twenty five pies sold every minute for five straight years, according to Walmart. So basically, Miss Patty doesn't have to sing Lady Marmalade anymore. Oh, no, Miss Patty is well beyond Lady Marmalade in terms of getting that sweet money. Okay. Here's the crazy part. Okay. People, Patty LaBelle gave out the recipe years ago to her patty pie for free. If you go to Vogue magazine, they still have it up, the recipe 
for Patty LaBelle's famous sweet potato pie. So you could foreseeably make the pie. <laughs> but why the hell would you? <laughs> it's right there at Walmart of all places. If you can get it. Although, to be time. honest, you and I talked about fighting our way through Walmart to get a patty pie for Thanksgiving. We wound up not doing it because you didn't want me in that ground of people while the Rona was running wild and free up where we are. With everybody in the unwashed legs <laughs> and the long backs. But the point I'm trying to make is, as I slap you. All the Swifties. <laughs> anyway. You are just really trying to get us thrown out. What is she going to do? Come for me now? She could. Okay. Like I'm worried. <laughs> Stop. So anyway, what I'm trying to say is we wish Lady Gaga and Ryan Carey lots of um, lots of good luck, but you have a long way to go to make some patty money. Yeah. Now, once again, you know, since you got, I know Patty got money and she ain't sending me like no, no pay pads of her own. She can. Along with, you know, if, you know, Oreos and Lady Gaga. You just want her to call you Chipmunk. I don't care if Lady Gaga calls me Chipmunk or Kayla Bell calls me Chipmunk. You want to hear it from Patty? I do want to hear from Patty. I freely admit that. That being said, my point is, I love Mariah Carey. I always have. And if Mariah Carey's group would like to send me a sample... I would definitely be willing to try and give my reviews. Are you angling for Mariah Carey to send us cookies? I would like Mariah Carey to send a lot of things to me. Hey! Uh, what? She can send me a, a, you know, a, a CD of a new song, a new album. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. This is because Come on, of the, Speed Keanu. This, yeah, I was about to say, this is because of Keanu, right? Hey. <laughs> Me and Mariah, we go back. <laughs> I'm tight like that. Okay. All right. We're going to take a break right now before he finishes that thought. Lady Gaga, too. Stop. We're here listening to the Gourmet Goober. And when we return, we'll wrap things up talking about the best thing you ate. we ate this week. So we're listening to the Gourmet. Thank you for listening to Gourmet Goober. We will be right back. Hey Gooberland, are you looking for that perfect holiday gift for the foodie in your life? You want to tell that special someone that you truly think they're gumbo worthy? Then you need to go to gooberswag.com and get some goober merch. From aprons to hoodies, t-shirts to mugs, our goober gear is perfect for everyone on your holiday list. So if you know someone who's proud to be a little bit gourmet and a lot ratchet, then go to gooberswag.com and get your own goober gear. Again, gooberspot.com. Check it out today. Hey, everyone. We are back. I'm JJ Outlaw. Hi, I'm T. Outlaw. And we are back with the Gourmet Goober podcast, where we're wrapping up the show as we do every podcast by sharing the best thing we ate this week. These are um, things that maybe we make ourselves as far as recipes or maybe we had an opportunity to go to a franchise restaurant or a hole in the wall, watering hole, you name it. <laughs> if it's something that 
we had that is amazing. We wanted to share it with you. And as always in our show notes, we will give links so that you can find it if you're in the area for yourself. As a reminder, we want to do what we can in order to help save local restaurants. And so we're inviting our listeners to share with us what's the best thing you ate this week. And we're encouraging you whenever possible to take advantage of ordering from your local favorite restaurants. If there's someplace that you want to highlight, simply shoot us an email at thegourmetgoober at gmail.com. That's thegourmetgoober at gmail.com. And we'll choose your letter, hopefully, and share it with our listeners and hopefully show that place a little love. So as always, we start with Big Daddy first. So what was the best thing you ate this week um, or in the past two weeks since we've last been on the show? Well, I actually partook of something new to the uh, the area, at least for me. I went to a place called, of all places, Hip Hop Chicken. <laughs> Or at least I had delivery. I'm sorry. Uh, was it Uber Eats or? It was DoorDash. DoorDash, sorry. Um, had that delivered. Dog was uh, very fond of the DoorDash delivery person. <laughs> but I tried out their, uh, we tried out, sorry, the Goober and I tried out the uh, their uh, chicken sample. Uh, their dinner with uh, a full chicken the drums, the wings, the, sorry, the breast and everything. And, um, you know, for being a new, uh, new kid on the scene in our little area, they actually produce some pretty decent chicken. I also like to say for the record, I don't know if it's just us or just the people in around us in this area. Did the chicken get smaller or was that just me? No, they're like really tiny now. Because remember, we, we got ribs several weeks ago and we were just like, wow, these must have come off of Cornish hens because they were tiny. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, <laughs> I was like, are the chickens getting killed when they're smaller? Or I don't know what. But anyway, nonetheless, they have uh, hip hop chicken had a good selection. Uh, they really love their fries. And uh, I really enjoyed their hush puppies. But yeah, hip hop chicken. I was supporting it, you know, a new business, a small business uh, this week, and I would definitely recommend hip hop chicken for your uh, chicken needs at least this week. I've never known to have chicken needs, but every if you once did. in a while, people that look like me have chicken needs. Everyone has chicken needs. <laughs> it's not just people who look like us. Yeah. I get it. Chicken is delicious. <laughs> what about people who don't like chicken? Well, we'll pray for them. There you go. <laughs> well, my favorite um, thing this week actually came from a new restaurant as well. It's one that is called Trendsetters Bar and Grill. And it's a new restaurant that is in Gary, Indiana. And it's a traditional bar and grill. But their menu items are amazing because they offer a lot of tradition Puerto Rican food. And if you listen to the show, you know that I have a particular place in my heart for the Iborito. And if you don't want to know what the Iborito is, it's an order. Um, it's a sandwich. It's unique to Chicago. And it's made either with steak or lechon, which is pork. And it's 
Um, I'm sure they use other proteins, but most of the time I see through either seed with steak or um, pork. And instead of bread, it's actually made with fried plantains. Okay. It is amazing. It's one of the things that I really miss going into Chicago regularly to get. And up until recently, you could only get it in Chicago. Well, with this new restaurant called, again, Trendsetter um, Barn Grill, they now have an Iborito sandwich here in Northwest Indiana, which is really cool, right? And along with that, they also have a rose con gondolas. Um, they have burritos, tostadas. Um, believe it or not, the day that I ordered, I did not get the Iboritos, even though I did a happy dance when I realized it was there. I decided to try something else. So I had their steak and onions, um, which is a pretty sizable meal, and it lasted a couple days. And it had rice, and it had beans, and it had potato salad. Let me tell y'all, just as a side note, I'm not really fond of potato salad, but this potato salad was so good. It even had smoky paprika on it. I like ate it all in one sitting. So, not everyone can bring their potato salad to the house. That's true. And there's no raisins in it. But no, it was delicious. But believe it or not, the best thing I ate this week was a side dish that I ordered with it. Okay. It is called a pastelillo. Past, you know what? I messed it up already. And I, pastelillo. Pastelillo. Okay. Pastelillo. That's what it's called. I had to practice it. I wanted to make sure my Spanish was off. But it's a deep fried thin dough turnover with seasoned beef and potato inside. And when I tell you people, it just sent me to the moon with the first bite. It's kind of like it's kind of like a Jamaican beef patty. And that if you've ever had a Jamaican beef patty, you know how like the dough is perfectly seasoned and it's crispy and thin. Um, so it's like that. And inside the meat was well seasoned as well. The potatoes were just right and it added a little bit of texture to it. It was just really, really marvelous. It was pretty big too. It was really big. I had enough to share a little bit with you and then eat it. Um, but it, and it's such a great deal too. It was like, you get one, right? But it's like $4. Okay. But seriously, you could split it up and like eat part of it. It's a snack later on. I mean, it was really, really good and very filling just by itself. And it was just mouthwatering good. Just well. It's not only was one of the best things I ate this week, but honestly, one of the best deals that you can get as well. So if you're in the area, um, my understanding is that they're located on Cleveland Street. It's a relatively new place. I will put a link to it in the show notes. So hopefully you'll be able to take advantage of it. They have a very wide selection for our bar and grill. And a lot of it is um, Puerto Rican food, um, which I just adore. So <laughs> I'm really excited to welcome them to our area. You can even get calamari, which I can't wait to try theirs. Okay. Um, but yeah, just really delicious. Um, so if hopefully you can get a chance to take advantage of them. And again, um, I think they're available through DoorDash if you decide to order from them. Because I know some places are like 
delivery exclusive. And I checked out the other places before jumping on the mic. And I think it's definitely a DoorDash exclusive offering. Okay. So, um, again, we want to take this opportunity to say thank you to for listening to the Cormie Goober podcast. But, Daddy, if people want to find you on social media, where can they find you? Well, you can find me, Tiala, at Tiala, T-O-U-T-L-A-W, on the Twitter, and also on Instagram at Tiala, Chelsea Wells, like the movie. You can find me, JJ Outlaw, on the Instagram at Gourmet Cooper. You can find me on Twitter at JJ Outlaw. You can also send me an email about the best thing you ate this week or any other thing, you can go to the gourmet goober at gmail.com. And also before letting you guys go, um, wanted to also just remind you um, that <laughs> we've been contacted recently with people who want to know, Hey, how do we support your little show? Well, there's several ways that you can do it. And as you're thinking of us for the holiday season, one great way to do so is by going to gooberswag.com. That's G O B E R S W A G dot com. And you can get Goober gear for the holidays. And we have everything from aprons to mugs to t shirts to hoodies. So if you're a little bit gourmet and a lot ratchet like me, or you know someone who's gumbo worthy, you can kind of let them know for the holidays. And so now is the perfect time to order. So you can take advantage of that. Hmm. Also, if you want to know how to support the show, you can, um, in every show note, there's like a little link that kind of gives you a link as to you can click and donate um, to help support indie podcasts like ourselves. Um, just so you know, we've been asked and we are working on a Patreon. So we should have that soon. Um, also, we, um, this past week was Giving Tuesday and we took part um, as we encourage everyone to do because particularly this year as someone who's worked um, and nonprofit, usually the holiday seasons where nonprofits get a lot of their giving. But as you can imagine, as we all know, um, there are organizations, there are people that have been really hard hit by the coronavirus. And so we have been really fortunate. We gave to several organizations that we really believe in. Um, and we encourage you to either support them or find organizations that align with your mission, especially now with, you know, the videos of people like lining up for like going to food banks and things like that. These are places that are really stretched to their limit. Um, if you want to ideas as some places that we have decided to support for the holidays and we're proud to do so through giving Tuesday, we um, are actually have them listed on our distributor page, uh, which is Plum Good Media. Um, which is plum good, G double O D E. It's how we spell good. Um, dot com. And you can, if there's like any place that you would like us to highlight or support or what have you, um, we encourage you to give it to us before our last show, which of the year, which will come in two weeks. Um, and we'd love to share that organization because now more than ever, we really encourage everyone to take care of each other. Um, so you can do that. You can notify me through social media. In fact, if you use the hashtag Plum Good Giving or Plum Good Philanthropy, we'd really love to see the organizations you support yourself. So on behalf of Big Daddy and I, we want to thank you for listening. Again, we'll catch you in two weeks for the last 
episode of the year. And are we taking a break this year like we did last year? Maybe we'll start the year with a uh, with a breather. Yeah. So last year we took a holiday break. It sounds like we may be planning that again. But if we do, we'll let you guys know and it'll be on our websites and social media page for look for that. So again, on behalf of Big Daddy and I, Cookies. Thank you for listening to the Gourmet Goober. Until next time, happy eating.